0: Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women, their voices, and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere, and the founder of SayItForward.org.
1: And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on sayitfora.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. Today, we are excited to talk with Francoise Mudute, who is joining us from Accra, Ghana. A pan-African feminist with roots in Cameroon, Françoise is passionate about supporting African feminist movements to thrive. In January 2021, she became the CEO of the African Women's Development Fund, a pan-African women's fund that provides financial and other resources to African women's organizations, working towards the fulfillment of all African women's rights. Prior to joining AWDF, Françoise established IALA, a bilingual platform that amplifies the voices and lived experiences of African feminists and worked as an international consultant for gender justice in Africa. Earlier in her career, she played an instrumental role in setting up Girls Not Brides, the global civil society partnership to end child marriage. Francoise is a board member of the Malala Fund, the Equality Fund, and Prospera. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to talk with you today, Francoise. And I'd like to start with a question about what in your own life experiences prompted you to be such an active advocate for the rights of African women and all women?
2: When I think about it now with uh the privilege of hindsight, there's a mix between who I am and always was, which is somebody who was always fascinated by justice and how the lack of justice just didn't make any sense. There's a series of encounters, conversations that have shaped me into who I am today. Uh, And a lot of these encounters and conversations were with African women, from the women in my family, like my mother, who would systematically point out the privilege that I had as a child, you know, would go to school and she'll say, yeah, say hello to your cousin who's sweeping in front of the house instead of going to school. She doesn't have the privilege Mm -hmm. of going to school. So the checking your privilege is something I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I've had conversations much later working and helping African women activists to organize uh, either on issues like child marriage and I learned so much from what they did, but also who they were. So I got really curious. I was like, why do you do this? And so I actually didn't learn from feminism from a course or anything like that. I learned from these women. And the moment I saw the power, their drive and the impact of their actions, I really committed myself to doing the best I could to not only emulate the courage and join the fight, but also do whatever I could to support and nurture the movement that they created.
1: What specifically made you believe that I, Francoise, can make a change and can really use my voice to speak on behalf or just to amplify the injustices that were going on that you saw? I always had a big mouth. (laughs) I I just couldn't, I could never, I could never.
2: I just couldn't let it go when something was, especially when I found something was unfair. And I guess I also grew up with parents, especially my dad, who was pushing me to sharpen my arguments. Like, you want to do this, you gotta make a case. And so I remember very early coming back from school and being like, "Oh, did you know about children's rights? Do you know I have rights?" <laughs> I remember that? I was like, I was like seven. I came back from school. I was like, I had a civic education school school class today. You know, you're not supposed to beat me because I can call UNICEF and you can go to prison. Of course, none of that is true uh, in Cameroon. <laughs> but I had this, this thing like, it, I can't make sense. So I always knew I could use my voice. I also knew that I could get in trouble for it. But that was never an issue. I never feel like it's my duty or anybody's duty to speak on behalf of. I don't believe in this voice of the voiceless mm-hmm. framing because I don't believe any of us is voiceless. I believe that structurally some of us are ignored, are unheard, unseen. So I never see myself at any point speaking on behalf of. That's not something that I do. But I do love to make space for those who are systematically marginalized. I love listening to their stories. And uh, a lot of my work has been around amplifying these stories because the, the stories you hear are the ones that you can't pretend you didn't, you can now ignore. You know, like there's this ignoring, oh, as long as I don't see it, it doesn't exist. So a lot of my work has been around bringing visibility, not to the invisible, but to the ignored.
0: So inspiring. And of course that is the reason why sayitforward.org exists. So any woman, anywhere, regardless of affiliation can share one or more of her stories. What can our listeners be doing to make sure that those who are marginalized and unheard can be heard? We need to
2: listen, not listen to reply, but listen listen to connect. And secondly, I think we need to talk as women. We must find the courage. I think it takes courage because we are socialized to do the exact opposite. The understanding that I've gained over the years is that there's knowledge and power in our daily stories. Mm-hmm. It is it is not just knowledge in academic, you know, written texts. I think there's so much knowledge and power in us just being and being out loud. So a lot of the work I was doing with Ayala was giving that space for women of, from all walks of life to define for themselves what it means to be an African feminist from a place of experience,
1: not expertise. I want to go back to you recognizing from a young age that you had a big mouth, right? And often there's a negative perception. Was that something that you were told that you have a big mouth? You know, And and how did you perceive that? And how did you turn it to saying, I'd like to see injustice and, and speak up on it no matter what the consequences are? I thought
2: I had a normal mouth. Uh, but I was being t- <laughs> I was being told I had a big mouth. I think what I heard was I had a lot of opinions, and I did. And I didn't grow up in a family or a society where children, in particular, were supposed to voice. You know, so I would actually write a lot when I was angry. I would write my parents a letter. I never got a response to, but at least I would like make my opinions visible. I mean, some of it is cultural. I grew up in Cameroon. Uh, you just don't talk back to your elders. Even though my parents, I think, encouraged critical thinking, they were the very first surprise to see how far that led us, all of us in our Mm -hmm. family. I think that as girls specifically, we are socialized and and trained, sometimes groomed, Mm -hmm. to be transparent, Mm -hmm. to not say anything, to not feel anything, to please rather than exist. One of the big things for me is that when I was 13, part of our family moved from from Cameroon to France. And at that point, I realized that if I did not establish what my voice was, there were so many influences around me that I would disappear. I had to know who I was. It took me years, though. It took me a couple of years to determine who was I going to be. Was I going to remain the person who had grown, grown up for the first 13 or so years of my life? Was I going to affirm the parts of my identity that were being mocked and ridiculed? And for me, that was a fantastic opportunity because it was the opportunity to make a choice instead of just follow along. And those were the times when I decided I'm African. When I'm in Cameroon, I don't think I'm African. I just think I'm, actually, I think I'm Douala. That's my identity. But when I'm in France and I'm 13, I'm 14, I'm 15, And people are asking me stupid questions about whether I I live in the branches of a baobab tree. Like I have to make some choices about who I am and who I want to be. And for me, those choices were about how I use my voice. Mm. And those are the choices I made. And a lot of those choices got straight, got me straight where I am today.
0: So when you were a teenager and you were making these they're big choices. They're choices of being who you are versus being who other people think you are or want you to be. What was happening inside of you? That takes a lot of courage as a teenager to say, I'm being who I am.
2: Especially my mother, who moves with us to France and had, I guess, what can be seen as a social status decline because of her identity and her professional competencies were not recognized. The opportunities were shrunk just because of who she was. I learned a lot from that. I learned that not only from what she experienced, but also how she reacted, that whatever adversity you face, a social status push you to decide to be someone else. So I learned a lot from my mom about I am a very sarcastic person. The more uh, adversity, the more irony I bring. For me to do that, I had to use my voice a lot. And so what was happening in my head, I was trying to survive. I was trying to not disappoint myself and the people who got me the opportunities that I had to go to school in France, etc. And I was like, I just need to focus. But I can't focus as I, if I'm always questioning who I am. In the moment, it didn't feel like big choices at all. It felt like daily commitments. But I think it's now, you know, I think hand, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And I'm saying this now. I think in the moment, it didn't feel like both choices at all.
1: Francoise, how, how important is knowing your identity? If you've come against conflict or trials, how important was it for you to know who you were?
2: The thing about identity is that it's not static. When I was living in France, being African was very core to my identity, and it still is today. And later in my life, the identity that became more central was that of feminist. Because of all of these coming together, even as they come at different points in life, I define my main identity As that of an African feminist. And I don't define my identity as that of a CEO or a leader at all. Those are roles that I play. If I get fired tomorrow, I still be an African feminist who's passionate about making sure our movements work and thrive. It doesn't matter where I do it. I've done it as a blogger. I've done it as a, as an advocate. uh, I've done it in the African Union and I've done it in my house. Identity is not opportunity. And I think we need to make sure to not conflate, especially in the era of LinkedIn and uh, and social media heroes, especially when you come at it from a a feminist lens. For me, I strongly believe in movements. A big part of my identity as a feminist is being part of feminist movements. I think that for our feminist dreams to be reality, we have to go at them together because the things we are up against, patriarchy, misogyny, racism, capitalism. There's no one of us is going to to really go even put a dent in it on their own. As a feminist, my identity is within movements. I think we need to be very careful, especially with everything that's going on in terms of opportunity to shine as an individual. And also because of the way Our careers are built to go up, 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 and to have more power. How do we use that power as power with and not power over is very important.
1: How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power?
2: So I think the first thing that we can do is to listen and to model empathy when people and women particularly particular, actually use their voice. Being who you are and telling the truth about who you are is the exact opposite that's what most women and girls and queer folks, especially in Africa, where I come from, the global south in general, like this is the exact opposite we what we were raised to do. And so there's this approach of empowerment, Use your voice, girl boss, girl power, all that, which I really don't believe in because you don't boss your way out of structural inequities. Mm-hmm. But when you do dare, it's important that there's empathy that is reflected to you at that time. So we should embody that empathy when people speak to us and they use their voice and just keep at it. We've come to this Feminist Olympics, like who is the best feminist? situation like have you not read audrey Lorde's poetry collection Mm -hmm. and sometimes we have and sometimes we've not you know and i think there's room for creating space for people to ask questions creating and and reacting to those with empathy instead of with judgment Mm -hmm. and so for me that's very important that we create spaces where people can doubt out loud and doubt together
1: Francoise, thank you so much for being here with us. You've shared so much. And always to our listeners, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast.
0: Thank you. Francoise, I add my sincere thanks as well. It has been such a joy to talk with you. And I especially love what you've reminded us about not just listening when girls and women speak out, but also modeling empathy for what they are saying and for their experience. It's really beautiful. So thank you so much for being with us. Yodit, thank you for walking this path with me. And also we are grateful to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Francoise, is there something you would like to leave our listeners with? I think that
2: when we do this work, it's very isolating at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we feel like, because we don't see others do the same work, we feel that we have to carry it on our own. We need to remove ego from activism. And that's how you you agree to rest. You fight, You stop fighting yourself. Like, you know, we need to rest. And the movement reminds us that we can.
0: And to our listeners we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith
1: signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.